Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, it is Sunday, February the 7th, 2021, by the way. And on today's podcast, my guest is Mark Story, my fellow columnist, fellow sports columnist at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. We're going to talk Kentucky basketball. UK's lost to Tennessee last night, which leaves the Cats at 5-12 and 12 on the season. Who would have believed it? Here we are in the 1st of February, and Kentucky has, five, has a basketball record of 5-12. and 12. We're going to talk about uh, John Calipari. We're going to talk about his relationship with the fans. We're going to talk a lot about that. We're also going to talk football. We're going to, Kentucky got a uh, transfer this week, quarterback from Penn State, who will be coming into the program. He won't be here in the spring. Will Levis, he'll be here in the fall. Uh, but he obviously throws another uh, – uh, kind of a mystery into the quarterback situation that was sort of unexpected. So I wanted to talk to Mark about that as well. Before we get to that, I want to thank everybody who supports our work at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com and encourage you to get a sports-only digital subscription. It's $30 for the first year. You get Mark's columns. You get my columns. You get all of our U.K. football, U.K. basketball, U.K. recruiting, our high school coverage. You get all of that for $30 first year. It's the Sports Pass subscription. Hit on kentucky.com hit on that subscription button check out all of our subscription offers and like i've said before and i'll say it again we really appreciate all the support uh, of everyone who supports our work at the kentucky at kentucky.com and at the lexington herald leader so without any further ado let's get right to it let's get to my conversation with mark story of the lexington herald leader and kentucky.com Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my friend, colleague, fellow Herald Leader in Kentucky.com sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark Story? It's going great, John. On this Sunday afternoon, pre-Super Bowl, we are recording this uh, before the Super Bowl. We are recording this uh, after Kentucky's uh, loss last night to uh, our travel Tennessee at Rupp Arena. Another double-digit loss for Kentucky at home. Another loss where... Kentucky had a 10-point lead in the second half, and the next thing you know, they were down by 10, and that was pretty much the end of it right there. Uh, Cal got some grief for saying after the game that he didn't know <laughs> what didn't know what else to say. Uh, what can we say about this team? Well, they're just not very good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bad thing to be when you're trying to be a basketball team, but go ahead. That's true. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm somewhat sympathetic to uh, John Calipari in that sense because I'm running out of ways to, you know, you know they, you know, it's interesting. You know, he keeps saying, you know, they're really close, and in a way they are because they play all these games and they're in them, you know, right. deep into the second half with a chance to win. But when you then lose pretty much every time in pretty much the same way. I don't know that you're really that close because right. that would suggest there's just no, it's not a fixable problem. Right. Well, they haven't fixed it. That's for sure. The collapse came a little earlier last night. Uh, they were down, uh, they were up 10, like I said, and then they went through another one of their uh, infamous droughts where they could bar- barely score. The next thing you turn around, Tennessee was up 10. Of course, Cal said after the game with five, six minutes left, it was a one possession game. And it was what he failed to mention was they hadn't scored in a while during that, during that break but yeah it seems to be the same thing over and over again in those they were talking about the final four minutes they weren't executing it was a little longer than that last night but turnovers missed shots it's pretty much the same that we we've seen this movie before 
yeah, it's pretty much the same script over and over. You know, to me, the interesting thing about this season is it's led us, or it's a chance to find some obscure statistics that you would have never dreamed of. So I was looking up, you know, because Rick Barnes has had so much success at Tennessee as coach against Kentucky and has a winning record against Kentucky. I was looking up how many coaches who are active have played against UK or have coached against UK at least five times and have a winning record. And Barnes is one of three. One of the others is obvious, Mike Krzyzewski. But who would have dreamed that the other one is Steve Offer? Is that right? Yeah, four and three. He was three and two at UCLA and one and one at Iowa. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Those UCLA when they had kind of had that series with series with UCLA. Did he play Kentucky when he in the CBS Sports Classic when he was UCLA coach? I guess he did. Well, he the first time was that game when Kentucky just you know steamrolled UCLA in Chicago. In 14, they, in, yeah, in fourteen fifteen, but he um, he beat Kentucky the other time he played them. Yeah in the CBS sports class and then he beat them in Rupp arena the year then that Kentucky wound up eliminating UCLA in the tournament right in the, in the De'Aaron Fox game. But yeah, Steve offered Rick Barnes and Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. And then he beat, didn't he beat him out at uh Poly pavilion. That yeah, was, the, that was a game where Tyler Eulis shoved uh, Scal Labissier in the huddle. I remember that game uh, because Labissier was pretty much being Scal Labissier. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah, I would not. I would not have guessed Steve Offord. No, <laughs> I would not have either. That, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> and Coach K's the other one, huh? Yeah, no. Okay. K's six and two. That one I would have guessed, right, but right. yeah, I would. I I could have gone the whole the whole twenty four hour day <laughs> and not guess Steve Offord. If that was the final Jeopardy question, you wouldn't have come <laughs> up with the correct answer. I, I I would not. Okay. Um, Okay, Mark, you wrote a you wrote a column uh, about Cal Perry uh, where you said it was loony. It would be loony to think about firing him, but that the fans were right on a lot of the things the fans are complaining about. That has been a widely read column. Uh, it, it's gotten a ton of page views. Uh, what, what what's been your what's been the reaction to the column? And what about Cal's relationship with the fans? How do you see that? Well, that the, the, that's an interesting question. You know, it's interesting. The gist of that column was, was, you know, a lot of the things the fans say, I think, have some merit in terms of, you know, maybe Kentucky has fallen behind a little bit in terms of the style of play that's, you know, sort of cutting edge in basketball now. You know, there's, you know, a lot of fans are unhappy with, you know, lack of in-state recruiting and just, you know, there's been an element of the fan base that's never been fully on board with the whole one and done set up. And, you know, you couldn't really say much when you were going to four Final Fours in five years, but they haven't been to the Final Four in a while. And obviously this year has been a disaster. And, you know, those people, you know, they you look at the teams that have been winning the national championship in recent years, they've all been really experienced. So, you know, but the thing that was interesting to me, you know, and I was pointing out that if I read the contract right, it's the buyout. If Kentucky wanted to fire John Calipari right now, it would be $52 million. And every response I've gotten to that is, well, they should pay it. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and write a check, huh? Yeah. Because uh, so, they gave so him, that, like, it was called a lifetime contract, although it wasn't really a lifetime contract. But if you've got a $52 million, buyout, $52 million buyout, that's pretty close to being a lifetime contract. Yeah, it's really, it was really a 10-year coaching contract. The reason people myself included have probably mistakenly referred to it as a lifetime contract is there is an option. I want to say after 
Well, I'm, there's an option at some point in the contract where he can opt out of coaching right. and then stay with the university in a like a fundraising slash goodwill ambassadors role. Right. That I think is why we we've referred to it as a lifetime contract, but it really isn't a lifetime coaching contract per se because it, it was it was like a ten year contract. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. I mean. Uh, well. I mean. What do you think? Well, what about the relationship? So, does that tell you that the that's it for John Calipari and the Kentucky fans? Uh, this is a uh, irreconcilable differences between the two, or how do you see it? I think if I <laughs> I don't think Kentucky's going to fire John Calipari. I don't think they should. I mean, you don't see Mitch Barnard sitting down million dollars, <laughs> writing you know, a fifty-two million dollar contract. I do not without I having a, a check without having a stroke. You don't think that's going to happen. I do not anticipate that will happen. <laughs> I think the most likely scenario is that this is a one-off caused by, you know, an unusual set of circumstances that have proven especially uh, damaging to to the really young teams. Kentucky just picked a horrible year to get caught with a totally brand new team, you know, in a year when if you look at who's winning, it's experienced rosters. So I would expect it to bounce back next year and be, you know, pretty close to normal. I think if that happens, a lot of the fans will get back on board, but you know, not all of them. You know, I think probably the any coach, the longer you're in a job, you're going to, you know, lose some percentage of your fan base, just the nature of it. And there, you know, there have been some things happened this year that have offended, you know, some percentage of the fans, and you know, they assigned blame to Calipari, and some of them aren't going to forgive. Yeah, well, I, yeah, no, I, I I agree with that uh, for the most part. I think the thing that's really offended fans is they're losing and they don't like to lose, and uh, and obviously they're going to blame. You know, the coach gets the glory for the wins and the blame for the losses. I do think the game is changing, and I think Cal's going to have to change with that in some of the games. It's going to be interesting to see if we assume the NCAA is going to pass this rule about the one-time uh, transfer waiver. Uh, there's going to be – there's a plenty of transfers now. I think they're just going to bring even more transfers. I think that's going to change recruiting and change the way uh, uh, the w- rosters are built. I think also uh, with the G League is you know becoming more of a player, people kind of forget that they're – you know, what are there, two or th- at least two or three guys this year who the G League got to come on and – you know. Play in the G League instead of uh, playing college basketball. I think there's going to be more of that to come, so that's going to kind of change. But I think I think Cal will adapt. I think you know he's a Hall of Fame coach who's got to won a ton of games. Uh, he's had to adapt to different situations, and I think he will adapt. Um, uh, and I know the fans. You know, I, I, uh, my friend Dan Walken of USA Today. I saw he tweeted after the Alabama game that Cal said he would never stay stay any place more than 10 years and he stayed too long here that uh you know it's unraveling on him because he stayed too long i don't i don't agree with that uh from the standpoint because you you look at the top 3 and i and i included in this in a column i wrote that be in the paper tomorrow if you look at the top 3 teams right now in uh college basketball are Gonzaga Baylor and Villanova all three of their coaches have been there a long time Mark Few I think is in his 22nd year at Gonzaga I think um, uh, Scott Drew's in his 18th year I looked it up was surprised by that at Baylor Jay Wright obviously has been at Villanova for a long time I mean I, I 
I think that's an easy thing to say. Well, they get stale after they're there for a while. Do they have some peaks and valleys during those years? Yeah, like you pointed out in your column. What did Roy Williams go last year? Uh, four, 14 and 19 or whatever at North Carolina. You know, those things are going to happen. I can remember when uh, one of those years, you may remember this, at the Kentucky, Kentucky was playing North Carolina. I can't remember the exact game, but uh, – uh, in the pregame meal in the media room, we're sitting around, and I think Jerry Tipton relayed to me the table he was sitting there, and there were some people there, and they were going on and on about how Roy Williams had lost it. He wasn't getting the five stars. You know, he wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. And I think he won the national championship the next year. So yeah. uh, I think a lot of that is – a lot of that's kind of overblown. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the whole thing, you know, it is true that Kentucky is not really adjusted to – what I would think of as sort of the Golden State Warriors analytic driven, you know, three emphasis on spreading the floor with shooters. You know, that's just really not what Kentucky does or has done. But, you know, I don't Kentucky last year was not playing that way and won what, twenty five games and right. yeah, you won, pointed this, won, that the, won pointed the Southeastern that Conference. Column. Yeah. Yeah, won the Southeastern Conference by three games. So I don't think basketball has changed so dramatically fast that what worked last year, you know right. you know, couldn't have worked this year with you know the proper roster construction and can't work in you know next year you know i think it would behoove kentucky probably to try to you know incorporate you know a a little more offensive skill in its on its rosters and to have more experience yeah but you know what what they did last year you know they had a junior and right two or two or three sophomores and were really only reliant on one freshman right so you know I, i i think they actually have tried in terms to 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 become more experienced with you know the graduate transfers and you know what you know the third year in a row reed travis nate sestina you know davion mintz and you know he's not a grad transfer but olivier sar right you know, they they have tried to import experience i think part of the problem and part of the fan frustration is they just can't seem to generate it organically because there's right. just so much peer pressure on players at kentucky to leave early you know it's not the guys who go in the first round of the nba draft that hurt kentucky it's the guys that turn pro with remaining eligibility who have no hope of being drafted right. and the guys who transfer out because for whatever reason they don't see any benefit to staying here and becoming an upperclassman kentucky right. really needs those guys right that's correct you know people say cal doesn't recruit shooters well he he recruited a couple of shooters here lately but both of them transferred uh jamal baker and johnny juzang now part you can make the a very valid argument that they transferred because they weren't getting a whole lot of clock they weren't getting a whole lot of playing time so uh and i think cal is we've talked about this before i think cal values He's a defensive coach. He values, you know, defense, I think, over offense. And uh, But you got to have some offense. And I think more and more you do have to have more offense because that's just the way the game, like you mentioned, the way the game is played now. But uh, we'll see, you know, if Cal – I think Cal Perry will adjust, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Anything else about basketball before we move on to football? Um. You know, it's not happening at Kentucky, but there is good bas- college basketball being played in our state this year. Just down the and road. <laughs> yeah, Moorhead State has won 11 in a row. Bellarmine is an amazing story. In their first year in D1, they've won eight games in a row and are in first place in the A-Sun. 
you know, Northern Kentucky after kind of a, in a rebuilding year has won six in a row. I mean, Western hasn't gotten to play in a couple of weeks because of COVID, but right. they've won, they've won four in a row. So right. there are some teams, you know, winning in our state. Yeah. And Eastern, Eastern had a rough uh, weekend losing Thursday and Saturday, but they were on a roll before that. So. Yeah. They had won, they had won nine in a row until this week. So yeah, yeah it's, it's been yeah. a pretty interesting year. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in ways both good and bad. Yeah, yeah, no. No, props to Moorhead. I mean, that's not the easiest job if you look at the history of Moorhead. And Preston Pradlin's really got them going this year. They've had a they're having a really good year as you as you mentioned. I know Belmont they they haven't played Belmont yet, have they? No, Moorhead controls its own fate because they've got two games left with Belmont. And, yeah. You know, if they um that Moorhead can Moorhead can win the league if they uh if they keep winning. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, props to all those guys. And Scotty Davenport of Bellarmine, as you mentioned, that's a great story first year uh, to do the job they're doing. So props to all those people. As you mentioned, there is good basketball being played <laughs> played in the state, just not at the flagship university. Louisville is one of those schools, too, that they're, they're caught in, the, like Western. You Just when you think they're getting ready to play, their next couple of games get uh, get postponed. So uh have to see what happens with them uh, down the road. Well, we'll get football. Uh, we'll get to football here in just a minute, but we'll be right. I'll be right back with Mark Story, my fellow columnist at the Lexington Air Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, Mark, wanted to talk Kentucky football. Some big news at Kentucky football this past week. Some quarterback news. They have a transfer coming in from Penn State. Uh, Will have we decided if it's Levis or Levis? I think it's Levis. I think it's Levis also. Uh, what do you know about him, and what does this do to the quarterback situation? Well, not a lot. He appeared to have been used at – I think he's made two career starts at Penn State and appeared to have been used primarily as sort of their running quarterback, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Um, I think it you know, it certainly scr- sort of scrambles the, the, what, the quarterback competition here at Kentucky – you know, you the one thing that's interesting. He's coming in as a grad transfer with three three years of remaining eligibility, which I don't know that I've ever seen. Right. Um, he will not be here for spring practice. So for the the two guys that we thought were going to be the uh, the quarterback competition, you know, Bo Allen, the former Lexington Catholic star, and Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer, spring is 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 even more important because you want to you know really sort of you know stake your claim here before he gets here you know i would assume you're not transferring from penn state if you don't think you you're not transferring to kentucky if you don't think you have a pretty good chance to be the starting quarterback right so do you think this means there won't be a starter picked in the spring they'll wait on levis to get here and be part of the competition in the fall i do i think that probably would have been the case anyway because you know you don't want to risk you know, Kentucky, at least until they got Levis, you know, you, you really needed both Allen and Gatewood to stay. And the risk, if you name a starter, is that the person who doesn't get it, and right. it's probably a bigger risk with Gatewood than it would be with Bo, who is, you know, still a freshman and is from Lexington. Right. But the risk is the person not, that doesn't get it then transfers. And until, you know, Levis signed on, Kentucky would have had no other no other quarterback who'd ever played in a college game if one of the two leading or one of the, those two left. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, uh, don't know this for sure, but uh, you got to assume he's got some sort of connection with Liam Cohen, the new uh, offensive coordinator who's coming in from the Los Angeles Rams, but Liam has an East coast background. He uh, played his high school football in Rhode Island. He was an offensive quarter coordinator at Maine. His father was a, uh, 
uh, a prep coach and a, a small college coach uh, up east. So I would assume there's got to be, and I think uh, Levis, if I'm not mistaken, is from Connecticut or from that area. So there's got to, I would assume there's got to be some sort of connection that they either had mutual uh, people that uh, uh, knew each other. That's how, I mean, there's no other connection really to Kentucky that I can think of. Yeah, I, I, that is. I don't know what the connection is, but that is the assumption I made too. That that this was probably, you know, related to Liam Cohen's arrival. That you know that that Levis then chose Kentucky. Yeah, uh, and then it's an interesting because Co- Liam's coming in as a new offensive coordinator. He'll be teaching a whole new system in the spring, and you don't have the guy who's going to be in the battle. You would think in the fall for the position who's not who's going to be here in the spring. Of course, you're hoping, and we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Or is it going to be another uh you know truncated summer and fall camp or are we going to hopefully with the vaccine it'll be more back to normal uh which i would obviously help levis um you know i i don't know i've heard little bits and pieces about cohen being here that that the receivers really like him i understand some a person told me that he's a stickler for the playbook that he's told uh, the receivers that uh you know if you don't know the playbook backwards and forwards you're not going to play but from what i understand of uh, what in the limited time that he's been here or had contact with the players that they're all pretty enthusiastic about the changes he's going to make and what he's, what he's going to bring. And now bringing in a new quarterback that just kind of adds to it. And then as we've talked about before about, and you've got one Robinson in the mix as well. Yeah. People are, you know, really energized about UK foot and football. Now, obviously part of that is in response to, you know, kind of the negativity around the basketball program, right. but, but, you know, as we've talked before, you know, other than, you know, the loss of Jamin Davis uh, to, uh, to early entry, pretty much all the off season news around Kentucky football has been really, really positive. Yeah. I heard somebody say they're winning the off season. I think that's, that's true. And they had a good day. I thought on uh on signing day, as uh, uh, Josh Moore and I did a podcast last week about it, but uh, they got a really good, from everything we can tell, linebacker recruit, and they got a linebacker transfer from Michigan State who uh, looks like he could be a contributor as well. Yeah, the uh, I, I actually read a column on Alabama.com where they were uh, uh, lamenting that the, the world as it exists now, Auburn was losing linebackers from the state of Georgia to Kentucky. <laughs> They're broken up about that, are they? <laughs> they were. They were not happy about the new that new status quo. No. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's going to be a very. Uh, hopefully, they will have a, a spring, uh, at least a close to normal spring practice that we can cover, and maybe even get to see a little of because it's going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in what Kentucky football football in the spring. Um, anything else going on, Mark? You want to talk about or? Uh, you want to plug or anything before I uh, let you go on this Super Bowl Sunday? I'm just getting ready for the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, people probably hear this after the Super Bowl, but who, who's your pick? I would like to root for Tampa Bay because of Mike Edwards, but I yeah. don't really, I don't think Tom Brady needs any more rings. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think Kansas City will win the game, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I think Kansas. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa Bay won, but I think Kansas City's the better team and will win. I, I've got reasons to like both teams. I like Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay coach. I think it would be uh, fun to see him win. But there's a lot of people. I like the way the Chiefs play, and I've always liked Andy Reid. And you got Matt House. He's a Kentucky connection, the former defensive coordinator, now linebackers coach. He goes to Kansas City, and this is his second Super Bowl in two years. That's pretty 
pretty good deal for him. But uh, yeah, but it would be neat to see Mike Edwards win a Super Bowl. It's neat to see him even playing in a Super Bowl. I always thought he was a good kid who did a did a really a heck of a job and was uh, almost even underrated for what he the contributions he made at Kentucky. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he was a really good player, and I'm not sure he he got quite the level of acclaim that that equaled the, his contribution at Kentucky. Yeah. So, well, we got a basketball game on Tuesday. Kentucky plays Arkansas. Uh, I think is Auburn next Saturday. Uh, I believe that is. I believe that is correct. I don't have yes. the schedule in front of me, but uh, we got Arkansas on Tuesday. We'll have plenty of coverage on uh, that game. That's another home game. Uh, we we'll have plenty of coverage. So look for Mark's coverage. Look, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. Look for his columns in the print edition of the Arrow Leader and online on, at Kentucky.com. And if you haven't read it, check out the column that Mark wrote about uh, the fans, <clears throat> the fans, and uh, and John Calipari. Uh, be sure and check that out. Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Check him out on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check him out on Kentucky.com. Check out all of his columns, all of his work there, and in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, follow our coverage from Kentucky, Arkansas on Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. We'll have live updates online from the game at Kentucky.com. Have plenty of coverage after the game with Jerry Tipton, Mark, Ben Roberts, and myself. You can email me, jclay at herald-leader.com. You can listen to these podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. We appreciate that. We appreciate everybody who has done that. They just help get the word out so more people uh, can take advantage of the can listen to the podcast. We really appreciate that. Thanks again to Mark Story. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll be talking to you again soon.